like my version of revenge is just like whatever you do I will do it too now and you will reckon with me so he was a musician so I was like I make music now or like I dated a gymnast and I was like I learned I am the musician now, now. Yeah. I am the captain now <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Holland Roden, and you are listening to another episode of Uncoupling, where we talk about breakups and how to move on by empowering yourself. This week, we have an amazing guest, Anna Akana. Hello. She is a writer. She's an actress. She's in The Fosters, Ant-Man. You can catch her on her own YouTube, which she has uploaded one to two videos every week for the last 13 years, so you can catch her on YouTube as well, giving amazing advice. And we are so happy that she is here to divulge some of that today. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. So like we say on Uncoupling, a lot of breakups are stigmatized as negative aspects to your life or failures. And we always refer to social media, like the Instagram grid of where all of a sudden there's the boyfriend, the boyfriend, the boyfriend or the partner, and then there's just nothing and it's mm -hmm. never addressed. So at Uncoupling, we like to say it's just another phase of the relationship and most relationships will end. That's the reality. And maybe if you're lucky, one to work out in your mm -hmm. lifetime. So what has been your best experiences uh -huh. or the most I guess I would say emphasized experience in your life. What has meant the most to you during an uncoupling? Um, I guess like I had a really big reframe of breakups many years ago where I was like, breakups are content. Breakups are a chance to reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. Breakups are an opportunity to be artistic, to have something to say. I feel like, you know, there was a meme I saw the other day of Taylor Swift with her new boyfriend. And it was like, oh, Taylor taking her new album for a walk. And it's so true. Like, breakups can be this beautiful push to birth something into the world. Because, like, when else are you having that many emotions about um about any event in your life. And I feel like a rupture that that's that deep. Like it's, it is weird, right? Like relationships, you go from talking and seeing someone every single day for maybe several years to they're a stranger and I don't talk to them at all. It's so true. It's such a bizarre facet of life. I, and I find like friend breakups, like as much as we stigmatize romantic breakups, like mm -hmm. friend breakups are like the toxic language around friends of friends are forever. And if you have a friend breakup, there's something wrong with you. Like there's just so, as I think it's interesting that you're doing this because you're so right like the idea of two people not working out anymore it's like 99.9% .9 of people on the planet and yet we do have this idea of like mm, what was wrong with emphasizing them emphasizing the, the the quote unquote separation as the failure versus all of the successes and lessons like you said you learn during that process of your life in that Absolutely. chapter of your life uh, you said so many things that resonated with me of you are having a surplus of emotions mm -hmm. during a breakup. It's almost like a dishwasher of emotions yeah. is how you could describe uh, your mental state during a breakup. And there is a lot to unpack there in that I just feel like, is there some time in your life that you felt that you had the most productive breakup? Oh my God, yeah. Like I, so I've I've broken up with almost every single person I've ever been with. Okay. Because like usually when I'm in a relationship, like maybe one and a half, two year mark, like my partners have been like, so marriage, like what do we think of that? And you just never felt it. And or I'm never like, prepared for it. Like, 
Well, I want to be married, but like my rule is you have to make a good husband and a good father and you have to be both. And like so far I haven't met, I've met someone who's one or the other, but not both. Mm-hmm. And at that point I'm like, okay, it's like shit or get off the pot. You want to get married. I don't think you're the one. I'm not going to go through with a decision like that and put you through something. But I was broken up with in 2017 with like the one person I actually thought I was going to marry. So the the turning of the tables yeah. really took you mentally oh, for a ride. fucked me up. I, you know, I was that bitch who like, Bought crystals, went to Reiki, eat, pray, love, you go to China. Anything yeah. to heal. Yeah, I thought I was. I was really suicidal. Like I went through a really bad depressive episode. I. It was so stupid, but I was like, "Is this what all the songs are about? Like, is this what people feel normally?" He really got you. It sounds yeah. like that's the first time you were really in love. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. And but it, I think it inspired so many great things. It, it like forced me to really look at the patterns of behavior I had that weren't healthy. Mm-hmm. It forced me to reckon with like my drinking. Um, it forced me to look at what are my beliefs around love, and did I actually love this person, or did I love the idea of him, and like. Uh, how I think we as a society get really into infatuation and limerence and mask that as love. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, how this person makes me feel about myself is what I'm identifying as love. And I don't think that's it. Um, so it gave me a lot of really, I think it was like a really maturing point for me. Okay. In yeah. 2017, so six years ago. Yes. So you were relatively young going through mm-hmm. that experience. I love that you've had such, it sounds like a sense of self mm-hmm. to be responsible enough as you've even younger person prior to 2017 to say, okay, you're not going to make, like you said, one or the other, a good husband or a good father. So it didn't, was it, would you say that's a hard decision to end those prior relationships? Did did you struggle or it was so logistical and therefore the answer just was so simply on the page. So you didn't find it difficult uh, for you to end those relationships. Well, my dad's military. So I moved every two years. So I'm real used to goodbye, see you never. So I think it was a very easy decision for me. Like I have a very easy time leaving relationships. Like I really Mm -hmm. grew up knowing no matter where I go, no matter how many people leave my life, I end up being okay. And so I think I've, it's devastating, obviously. Like it sucks to go through breakups of any kind or friend ruptures or, you know, just people leaving your life, whether it's death or uh, moving. But I feel like I've always had this innate knowledge, like, it doesn't matter where I am, you'll find people. Mm. That human race is, it's the same everywhere. You will yeah. find like-minded individuals to hang out with and and be in your life. Yeah. What it, about you? Yeah. Like, like, is the reason you started this podcast because of a really bad breakup? It wasn't because of a really bad breakup. Uh, it came to me from my manager oh. where there was uh, content out there that we felt was missing mm. in the market because mm-hmm. there was nobody. I'm an actor. Mm. Uh, I've been, been in the entertainment industry for 16 years. Mm. And I noticed there was just a disconnect in the vulnerability as social media has progressed yeah. Yeah. that everyone's willing to be more vulnerable, have – really intimate conversations with strangers essentially online, which I think is actually a great thing for society. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is it's taking place online. It's yeah. not in real life. But at least there's an open conversation. So if somebody is experiencing emotional abuse or trauma, that access, that that's, that community or support group is a lot closer than it used to be before Instagram existed. Mm-hmm. And so what I find interesting is what's still an absolutely closed book is when relationships didn't work out. Mm. And I would assume there's a lot of shame around that. And I've been someone who's never even posted the first chapter. I've <gasps> never posted a boyfriend wow. as an actor in 16, 17 years. 
maybe in passing, but it's never been a hard launch, a soft launch. There's never been any sort of launch of any vehicle because I think I always said this might come to an end. And I think I didn't want to. I say, you know, I'm a Libra. It's like if you're going to do something, do it fairly, do it, do it fully. And if I didn't have to deliver the first half, I didn't have to deliver the second half. Oh, as I think interesting. where it came from. Social media is something we both are fascinated by. And I have to ask you, with YouTube, because you moved every two years, yeah. that like popped up in my head. Do you think YouTube became your friend when you're saying you've done it 13 oh, years wow. ago? Or were you already out of the house when you started YouTube? I st- Well, I started in stand-up technically. Okay. And I got really – well, when you start in stand-up, you feel like you're harassing people like forcing yourself onto people comedically all the time. Also, you can do anything once you do stand up. You really can. Like I'm, I'm most confident when I'm doing stand up regularly. But I think uh, my sister. So my sister committed suicide when I was 17, and mm-hmm. she was 13. And I didn't go. I was my whole life. I was like, oh, I'm going to go in the military. I had prepared for it. I did summer camps. I was like ready wow. to be an officer. And when she passed away, I was like, oh, I'm mortal. Like mm-hmm. I'm not actually invincible. And I really had to reckon with. Oh, I think this is my father's dream. That been instilled in me. I think I want to be an artist. And you really had a full stop for oh, very good reasons. Absolutely. Yeah. I think like it can be what a, a gift. Not it is. It is. Of the res- of the event, but as a result that you were able to grieve mm-hmm. so productively is not the right word, but caringly for yourself. Yeah, and like I think most people my age, like a lot of my friends in their mid 30s are going through a reckoning with mortality that I I just did very early. Like mm-hmm. they're dealing with their parents getting older or getting sick or un- like people have been dying in COVID who they knew personally or, or their loved ones have passed 30s away. 30s is when adulthood really hits It you. really does. And yeah. like the idea of death and like, so it's interesting. Like I've had an influx of calls the last five years from friends who are like, how, how do you deal with this? And I've kind yeah. of become the death girl, like within a lot of my friend groups. But I think it gave me a, a really beautiful perspective and also like in relationships where I'm like, I don't want this for the rest of my life mm-hmm. and I don't have to have this for the rest of my life. Like it's 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 almost raised the bar a little bit for me. Like I'm happy to be with someone for right now. But when it comes to like committing my life to them, it's a, it's a very different lens that I put on. That's I just think that reckoning mm-hmm. at such a young age really put you on this path that, like you said, it fast forwarded mm-hmm. you 10 years mentally. So you got to live almost an extra decade of clarity. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to do. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that it takes an I mean, one of the most tragic events you humans can can even encounter to to be able to make space for that. Yeah. I think it's a gift though. Like most people are afraid of the top fears in the United States are public speaking and then death. And I'm like, uh, I really am pretty okay with the, both of those. You do um, well, you do one Relatively on a, on a daily, on a weekly basis. Yeah, on a weekly, not yeah. the dying, but maybe. Yeah. Do you think there was ever a connection between you, like you said, you broke up with most of your relationships except for one. Do you feel like there was a connection to your sister's suicide that you thought life's finite and if I know yeah. something, I'm getting the hell out of Dodge because I'm going to find what's right for me before it's too late or before you just you yeah. felt much more mortal and m- mature where you know you knew life was such a mortal i think it's both like i think i was dating my dad 
Mm-hmm. Or my as mom. We, as we mostly do. As, as we, we do. As we I was like do. clearly trying to date people where I was like rewriting and getting my parents' love and approval. Mm-hmm. And then once it became real, I was like, oh no, goodbye. Like once I got the approval and the validation, uh, I was like, actually, no, I don't want this for the rest of my life. Um, but I actually worked with a really great dating coach um, who pointed out to me how emotionally unavailable I am. Because she was like, you like to chase people who are emotionally unavailable Mm -hmm. because deep down you know, oh, I can have the pretense that I'm looking for commitment and love, but I know I'll never get it with this person. Mm -hmm. And the moment I do get it because like, you know, let let me worm my way into their lives and become a barnacle. I like a challenge. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let me win this challenge. The the moment you get it, you're like, oh no, they're available now, goodbye. Um, So I've done a lot of work on that. I think to some degree, I... It's still it's still there. Like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I choose someone and they're like, I'm polyamorous. And I'm like, perfect. Let me change that for you. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, uh, I think there's always a part of me that's like, oh, I'll get the approval. I'll get the right. way. Um, but I'm I'm working on it. I'm 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 finding available behaviors much more attractive now. Whereas before mm-hmm. I would be like, ew, he's texting me every day. What a loser. And, you know, I'm like, oh, the person who's not responding. Oh, my God. He's mysterious. He's hot. And now you're just kind of like, ew, this this is boring and unattractive. But it's like a lot of little steps to I think I think getting over the issues it is a version of success though it is a version of real progress is when you find yourself on a third or fourth date with someone that clearly wants to be there yes yes but I don't know and I'm curious how you feel about this Mm -hmm. like I have been a chronically online overshare, you know, like overshare girly for a long time. I talk about grief. I talk mm-hmm, about death. Mm-hmm. I talk about relationships. But I almost feel like culturally we've moved towards trauma as a currency. Mm-hmm. And it's this difficult balance because, yes, we want to be open and vulnerable and we want to share. And like that can make someone else feel so much less alone and it can have like a huge impact. So there's a difference between that and trauma bonding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or like even just like. At what point, like sometimes I feel myself like I, I'm going through a traumatic experience and I'll be like, oh, but this will make a great 15 minute bit and stand up, <laughs> you know, or like the idea of it's like the artist and entertainer yeah, in you, like that yeah. to spin. But, you know, the Kardashians, Taylor Swift, a lot of people have turned mm-hmm. a lot of pain into uh, Pence would be yeah. the, the <laughs> many, many Pence. Like the also like the daily vloggers, like daily vlogging. Is a nightmare. I had many relationships. It's in really which we difficult. Did. Yeah, heard, yeah. It puts such a strain on your relationship. And then there's like, I've done daily vlogging with a with an ex uh, a long time ago in like 2013 or something. And it was how the, long did you guys do it for? Uh, I did it for six months, every single day for six so months. Both of you did it for six months. Yeah, but I was he was paying for everything, so I was editing, I was filming, yeah. I was all the domestic labor, and he was like all the funds, okay. which then became you know this big the power dynamic oh, of yeah yeah and the working conflict with, working with the spouse and can that. Yeah. Contribute to it's it. It's like running a and business. And you're not like, you know, let's film our fight about like this. You know, you like, never want to pick up the camera during those moments. No. Yeah. And it feels like so facetious and so put up put on. And so like, and I know a lot of friends who have done it and have like, and you know what's going on behind the scenes. So like, mm-hmm. it is weird because I think, you know, I act as well, but the people who recognize me from YouTube and the people who recognize me from acting, they have a totally different relationship with me. I would, I would assume, and they're probably not completely different demographics as well. Or Same demographic. Same demographic. Same demographic. Usually Asian woman, uh, 24 to 34, college educated. Wow. But like the people who see me from YouTube are almost like inappropriately like trauma bonding and dumping on me. Whereas people recognize me from acting are like, oh, hey, you're from that thing. That's cool. But the other people, like, they're like, they don't overlap. Like, they're two different types. Yeah. Two, two different, different types. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's yeah. just like, yeah, someone thinks you're their best friend. They're like, I was cutting myself in it's middle school. It's a very school. intimate relationship yeah. for the good and for the bad. Yeah, but it's it's just a, it's a totally different parasocial almost like, 
um, like like fantasized, idealized, uh, you know, you're an idea to them. For the 2017 breakup, did you talk about it online or did you? Oh, incessantly. I made an album about it. You made an album about it. Was this was this a a guitar singing album? Or? Yeah, it was like a pop album. It was like an okay. all pop oh, album. Nice. I, I mostly was like, like my version of revenge is just like, whatever you do, I will do it too now and you will reckon <laughs> with me. So he was a musician. So I was like, I make music now. Or like I dated a gymnast and I was like, I learned I am the musician now. now. Yeah. I am the captain now. <laughs> Basically, it's like my way of dealing with like missing them. It's just like, oh, this is what they do. I will engage in it. Oh, that's so interesting. I've yeah. never heard of someone missing someone during a breakup or an uncoupling and then they say if I'm missing them I'll go engage in that hobby but yeah. I have heard of when people are widowed they would go do that oh wow so I find that very interesting that you when you've broken up with someone that's yeah. a really interesting way I think helpful way yeah. without if you're doing a 30-day no contact or you know being in contact with that person is going to blur the lines and make it really difficult yeah. to move on. That's such a good tip. Well, I always feel too like when you like someone, there's so much about what they do that you don't do that you respect or that mm -hmm. you're attracted to. Mm -hmm. Like I get really into people who have like a niche knowledge base or or hobbies or, you know, like I dated like a someone who was like a spoken word poet champion when he was 15. I was like, oh, I write poetry now. Like, I will be a shout poet. Yeah. <laughs> I will be poet now. But it's also I think it's just like, you know, I think you always recognize something in someone that you yourself have maybe wanted to try. Absolutely. So you're like, it's your way of working through it. And when you were going through that breakup in 17, mm -hmm. he broke up with you. You were devastated. You wrote an album about it. Oh, yeah. He broke up with me in a coffee bean. In a coffee bean. In a fucking coffee bean. Had y'all ordered the drinks? Yeah. I'd ordered a tea. And there were also like all those people on their MacBooks writing scripts. And like you could hear the clacking stop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was like on a patio in Hillhurst. And we'd, it was like right before oh, it's, Christmas. It's hipster kids too. Oh, They're even was, more judgmental. Oh, it was so bad. Being it was on the so east side bad. of Los Angeles is Ugh. a. Uh, it's like being at the, the lunch table at. Oh, God. High it was school. embarrassing. So yeah. by the cl the clicking and the clacking stopping, it, it just added to the yeah. humiliation might not be the best word, but oh, it might was have humiliating. Been what you we're feeling in that moment. Yeah. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was like, but I love you. And he was like, because we had said I love you at that point. It was like yeah. a year. And he goes, I was just getting to know you. And I was like, oh, sir. And I was like, well, this is a mistake. And I got up and I left. And so you left the coffee bean. Yeah, I left the coffee bean. And then when did the conversation pick up? Oh, no, we we almost never talked again. Uh, he released That's a song. That's how we broke up. That's how we broke up. He released a song about me. And then at that point, I reached out to him. I was like, this song is so mean. It it's sucks. almost a ghosting of sorts. I mean, it technically yeah. wasn't because. He technically broke up with me at a coffee bean. He did do the yeah. breakup, but there was never a reconciliation or a closure. Or did you not need no. it? No, I don't think I needed it. I thought I always thought he would come back at some point, but he's kind of like uh, not van life, but that same like nomadic quality that you're talking about mm -hmm. looking in a lot of people like he lived in a warehouse for like half a year in the pandemic and made an album and all this stuff. And I was like, right. oh, this never would have worked out. He <sighs> like stopped showering altogether. Like we had a lot of very like intense differences, but I just remember that was like the breakup that motivated. It was like the most productive year of my life after that breakup. That's so yeah. Interesting that that's the man that broke your heart and there was almost <laughs> no conversation no. about it. No. There was no communication. Not really, no. 
I think it was kind of, I was just like very motivated by like, well, I'll just work really hard in my career and then I'll be on a billboard and he'll see me. It was the revenge factor. Yeah, he'll rue the day. Yeah. It's the revenge factor. (laughs) And do you feel like going through, because like it probably comes from your mom that you, Mm. you know, you, it it comes out in in art. Mm. Revenge was something that you don't regret because it got to you to where you are today. Oh yeah, I think revenge is. I, I know revenge. It can be healthy. I think it can be really I healthy. I think it's revenge. good for you. <laughs> healthy revenge, like revenge that's channeled into just bettering yourself. Like I yeah. think that's my idea of revenge. I, would, is always, I don't know if I call it re- revenge more as internalized motivation. Yeah, yeah. I and think that, revenge just sounds a little juicier. <laughs> you know, it sounds a little more dramatic. Are you like a like a? I'm gonna post a thirst trap. Now Definitely not. Saying. Really? I'm not a very um God, revenge, are but my so manager's different. laughing behind camera. Yeah. Definitely not. I uh I get I don't get mad, I get sad. I'm like your Aww, typical Libra in that yeah. sense. I'm very hands-off and to give credit where it's due and yeah. and in my own head. And but I, I feel sorry for them. I don't yeah. get mad at those people. Oh wow. Um, unless you know you hurt my dog, then it's game oh. over. <laughs> yeah, a little fightful. She always is running around. Somewhere. Um so yeah, so to get back to this coffee bean breakup because (laughs) it fascinates me we obviously know that you didn't need you didn't feel like you needed that extra communication I wanted it you wanted it oh I was but you didn't you didn't reach out for it no I read all the stupid things like when you google like how to make them and it's like 30 30 days no contact and like live your life girly and like just work on yourself and then you took all the self-help regardless of how cheesy or it isn't you definitely need those really soft moments in your yeah. life oh, yeah. for to have those landings. Yeah, I watched a lot of like Susan Winter. She's oh, like I a know her. she's like an older woman who's like a dating coach on YouTube. But she's I love her because she's very much about like self worth first. And she's like the reason you find my content is because you don't have it. And she's like <laughs> let me help you get it. And I was like oh Susan Winter okay. She's my Dr. Romani Durasala. Oh I love Dr. Romani Durasala. Yeah, yeah yeah she's amazing. If you haven't t- checked out Durasala's D-U-R-V-A-S-A-L-A. Check her out. I've definitely had some exes that fell into the narcissism category. Oh, yeah. And that that word's thrown around very lightly, which yeah. she'll go into. Uh, but so, yeah, we all have a, our, our sort of cornerstones that we go to. You So you you wanted to reach out. You didn't. You def, you had your self-help outlets. Thanks, mm-hmm. Suzanne. Shout out to Miss Miss Winters, Dr. Winters. <laughs> and then was there anybody in your life? You obviously were on YouTube making an album what else did you do to move oh through God. that uncoupling? Um, I made like a stop motion short film. I oh, mean, that's it, definitely a first. I've never heard that. Yeah, I was like a stop I'm, motion short film. Yeah, I did a whole. It was called Dolore, which is like Latin for pain. <laughs> <laughs> How and, did you find that? I mean, there was a studio. They did um uh oh god, the most popular girls in school. Have you ever seen that? It's no. like a it's like a Barbie stop motion comedy series on YouTube. So their studio was in in LA and I just found them and was like I must make something or I will die and they were like okay you involved others in your pain breakup oh yeah yeah I employ many people I employ many people when I'm going through a breakup that's so smart yeah yeah you're just like make things people might disagree with that but I actually I really agree with that oh yeah I feel like when you're happy you're kind of content you're not really you're just like doing your little things but when you're sad you're like I need a team of people around me at 12 hours a day and so instead of a therapist it was it was all these other 
technological reach outs. Oh, I had I was going to two therapists and, and two therapists and a so dating you, you coach all, at the time. Wow. I was doing it all, anything to not be alone, Holland. I was doing. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I also knew he's like he's very stubborn, and once he makes up his mind about something, that's it. Mm. And like I knew that about him, and I'd witnessed it a lot. So I was like, oh, any going to him is going to further cement this. Like I, I also knew instinctively if I ever want to get back together with this person, you were still leaving the door open a little bit and yeah. healing everywhere else that you had to. Yeah. And did it ever click to you of he's so stubborn? So you're obviously in love. You're trying to uncondition yourself of, out of this love yeah. with him. Did you ever think to yourself? Because I only ask this because you seem so self aware, mm-hmm. which is such a great quality. Is why do I want someone so stubborn? I don't know. I was honestly pretty stupid. Like he's not that great. Like I now that I'm over the hunt, I remember one time I saw a photo of him and I would like talked. I was like looking at my friend. I was like, has he always been like not this cute? And she was like. <laughs> You were so happy. You were so happy. You were so happy. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the mid-man I spent a year feeling suicidal over? <laughs> what? Um, what a beautiful I, reprieve, though. Of, it was of, so great. You get to have a laugh yeah. and a complete out-of-body experience about oh, your past uh, self. Yeah, it felt like, I think, honestly, he. it was just like I had my first love very late in life. Because mm-hmm. we were very, like, teenager How old were you when, when you— I was 27. Oh, wow, okay. 27, 28. Yeah. And I don't know. He was. He's incredibly smart. He's incredibly poetic. He's, he wrote, like, this very beautiful song for me called Welcome to the Family. Mm. Mm. Well, I guess I'm outing him. Whatever. <laughs> that, people know if they know the timeline. But like, Shut the door when you leave. Yeah. Did, that, did that song come out <laughs> after? <laughs> he doesn't give a shit anymore. But it, it was like I was really— in love with his brain mm-hmm. like the way that he thought of it we were just such different people where it was never going to be compatible long term but I was like oh you're such a unique human being and I love the way you think about things you and wish like, you could suspend time and just hang out in the brain yeah yeah like I really I and like to this day I'm like he is he is like a genius like he's a creative genius he's a horrible businessman like we always would fight about business stuff because I was mm-hmm. like you are not making decisions that are going to help you in the future but it yeah I think I just really fell in love with like especially because I've moved around so much and in entertainment, you meet so many people and to yeah. a degree, everyone almost feels like they're cut from the same cloth in a really Everyone big way. feels like a friend really fast. Yeah. And as you get older, you learn, but they're not your friends and that doesn't make them bad people and yeah. you are still cordial and there's nothing wrong with not being friends mm-hmm. and your work colleagues. But making those distinctions is really important yeah. and recognizing them as you get older. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think like when you finally meet people who go, who make you like do a head tilt in a little bit of a way, like it's, he it's, did that. he did that for me and it was really fascinating. He didn't feel like another copy from the same cloth. You're like, you're yeah. special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my therapist says, uh, when I meet people like that, that I'm just so fascinated by them more mm. than anything else that I want to spend time and hang out with them. He says, she says that, uh, but that's the 16-year-old running the show. Disney really ruined us. Disney was a was a thing, man. Yeah. All the books. A lot of conditioning. Yeah. You're like, we don't want the same lifestyle, but his hair. Like, so when did when did you like what was the first thing you did after you left the coffee bean? Because at that point, I, I just I, I'm just curious, did you cry in the car? Oh, or? for sure. I was okay. crying on the way to the car, but trying not to look like I was okay. crying. Okay. So there was a breakdown. Yeah. I called yeah. actually I called my friend. I had texted her before I walked into the coffee bean and I was like, I think he's going to break up with me. And she was like, oh, you felt it coming. I felt it coming. Okay. And she was like, you're crazy. He had had a concert two days before 
at the Ace Theater in downtown LA where he had sang this love song to me in front of like his friend. It was like all of our friends and family and like his audience and stuff. And he like, I was like, I love you, Anna, like on stage. And so she was like, what do you mean he's going to break up with you? He, li- You literally just had that two days ago. And I was like, I don't know. I just feel it. I feel like there's something weird. Um, and so I called her and I was like, yep, he did it. Uh, and so I had spent that thing instead of going to I think we were supposed to go to like Iceland or something with his parents and when the families are involved and there's a current trip or a birthday it's just the worst he never paid me back for my ticket (gasps) I know the untanglings uh, monetarily especially oh god and you know especially when you're in your 20s and and you really can't stand to lose the money yeah 10 times worse. Yeah, I don't think I ever want to live with a partner again. I didn't live wow. with him, but I was like, I think I don't want to do it until so I'm engaged. So there will be married couple. Okay, so once once you're engaged, you'd have no problem. I would do it, yeah. I have I have friends that want to live in duplexes across the hall from each yes. other. Yes, I think if you share married. a living room, but then you have your own. I think that's like how Tim Burton and Helena Bonham Carter did it. Yeah. yeah, you can put all your little fucking things in your room and like this will be my all my little things in my room. So suicidal when you said you got to that place in mm. 2017, that obviously means something with a lot of gravity in your life in particular. Mm. How did you crawl out of that? I know you had this massive team in place, mm. but from day to day, how did you crawl out of that? I mean, it got really, it was really bad. I, I was having, audit, well, an auditory hallucination. So I started mm. hearing this one guy's voice and he would just like, it sounded like it was outside of myself, like he was in the room with me and he would tell me to kill myself mm. all the time. And I was like in therapy. I was also, I've always had this irrational fear I'm going to kill myself because when someone in your immediate family does it, you're mm-hmm. 50% more likely to do it. Mm-hmm. Asian women are the second ha- uh, second highest demographic mm-hmm. in the States to do it. Um, and so I just had a lot of fear around like, oh God, like could I, am I going to, f- am I going to follow in her footsteps essentially? Um, and for me, it, it was, it was unfortunately just dealing with every day. Like there's no real, you know, way to come out of it except to go through it. I mean, I did all the healing things that I could. Like I tried to like, I journaled so much that year. I Mm -hmm. made sure I was always going to therapy. I was like, let me go to the gym because I know my body needs the fucking endorphins. And Mm -hmm. as much as I didn't want to be there, um, I think it was the little things of making sure my pillar was solid. And then also trying to find out who am I and like, how do I feel loved? And like, I was, I've been on a very big self-love journey, I think, for, you know, for my whole life. But like the last five years, I really was like, oh, I'm looking for something in another person I'm not giving myself. And um, I'm subscribed to the James Clear newsletter. And he had this really fantastic quote in one of them that was like, your relationships are rarely healthier than your self-esteem. And I think that one really impacted me because I've been in abusive relationships. I've been in relationships where I'm the power dynamics are skewed towards my partner is taking care of me or mm-hmm. I'm taking care of my partner financially. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is it in me and my self-esteem that's getting me into these dynamics? And so I really was like, OK, w- what does it look like if I do feel loved by some by myself the way that I'm really desperately craving somebody else to do. And I think it was a lot of trial and error. I failed a lot through trying, you know, I think self-love, we we make self-love this activity-based thing now. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, I'll buy myself flowers or I'll take myself out to dinner it's or I'll do a bubble bath. Yeah. And it's almost like a little, a little capitalistic at times and a little mm-hmm. like, what's your idea of love? And you kind of realize how hollow our idea of love can really be based on what we're taught. And so I started learning, well, self-love to me is like, letting myself take a break and letting myself believe I don't need to work harder than everybody else to achieve the same results or um, listening to my, 
to my impulses, my my inner child and being like, I, I've started doing Color Me Mine in Pasadena oh. and I fucking love it. I like was like, well, let me take myself to the ice skating rink in the dead of summer or let me go for like a little walk in the in like this beautiful Japanese garden mm-hmm. in Huntington, in Huntington Park. Yeah. And it's like the more I really started giving myself those those experiences like yeah there's a part of you that's like this is sad like i'm by myself like nobody loves me and everyone's getting married but then on the on the flip side i was like oh but i'm giving myself everything that i'm hoping somebody else would give me and the more that i did that i was like oh somebody better be really good to come into my life now because you're building your self-worth rung by rung yeah absolutely and it was like annoying and it was like years and years and years of fruitless effort and lots of crying but i think you know it was the same thing as like one day i woke up and i i I was like, oh, he's a mid-ugly man. I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I really love myself. Like, I'm not willing to settle for someone right. who's not treating me really well. Your list changed. Yeah. I think it's important to dice- decipher somebody who's so professionally driven and mm-hmm. successful and productive and very present. And it sounded like you moved through a to-do list like nobody's business yeah. professionally, but emotionally and spiritually, that's not necessarily the case. And so you've had found yourself... Be- maybe leaning on the professional aspects of like, I'm good, I'm solid, I'm like this girl boss that gets everything done and always has it together aesthetically and professionally, but then having to backtrack and say, oh, but what, like you said, taking yourself to the ice skating rink, uh, to a pottery shop, to a Japanese garden, those are three things that have nothing to do with your professional game and had everything to do with one day you looked up and said, oh, somebody better treat me like this. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think like it's funny, whatever your impulse is, your coping mechanism is, the thing you always need to do is usually the opposite of that. Like I would go to tarot readers, of course, uh-huh. and then I'd be like, what's the next lesson? Like I need to learn like a myself love spiritual journey. And like for a, like a year, my lesson was like, oh, do nothing. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? That's not right. I can't believe I paid you $85 for this. <laughs> like what? There's got to be a homework assignment. Um, but for a long time, it was like, do you nothing. need to learn how to do nothing. And just exist. And then that's you're worth you're still worth something if you're not achieving and if you're not getting things done. So when was it you felt that you were over it? Like what was the first sign? Because you threw yourself into work immediately to heal. Yeah. And you had such an incredible team that you had in place. I don't think it happened in one. I think it just was one day I woke up and was like, oh, I haven't thought about him in a while. Oh, it's the lack of. It's like when you like sprain your ankle and all of a sudden you're walking. You're like, wait, when did that start happening? Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those. Uh, It was really subtle. Yeah. I don't think I woke up one day and was like, "Mm, finally fucking over that. It just, you know. Yeah. Did you dream about him or no? Oh, I actually, we had a really weird connection in which I would know things like I knew oh I like dreamt from the perspective of his new girlfriend down to like the tattoo she had and I woke up from and the was, perspective of his yeah girlfriend. I was like oh she's blonde because I had blonde hair in my periphery and there was like a dream catcher tattoo here and like bees and here that's what his yeah and that's what she looked, looked like. like yeah yeah and, and then, how like, did you I, know that? Did you just know that? From I don't social know. Media? I just, I just know. Th- no, they weren't. They went Instagram official two weeks after that. Wait, so you had this like premonition before? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You even saw her. I, it's crude, but when I fuck someone, I'll know shit about you. Like <laughs> you take all of their demon thoughts. Yeah, and I think their subconscious. Yeah, like I, I've like woken up in the middle of the night and That's been like wild. he's cheating on me, and like drive to his house and like find him with someone. You were blonde with a dreamcatcher tattoo before you even saw yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. And then she was blonde with a dreamcatcher tattoo. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's weird. That's like a psychic episode. That's yeah. a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. It happens. Yeah. And then the dreams eventually subsided. Eventually, yeah. If, once I just stopped caring, I think also it was like, the get out of here. The subconscious can finally leave. Yeah. But I'll like know when he's out of town. 
I'll like feel him leave. And I'm like, that's weird. Or like, I even knew when he came back in town once to surprise me. I was like, I texted him. I was like, why do I feel like you're in town right now? And he's like, I'm on tour. What are you talking about? I was like, I don't know. I just feel like you're in town. And he had come to see one of my, my headlining standup shows. And he was like, you texted me the moment I landed in town. And it was fucking weird. To come see you. Yeah. Which you did not know he was doing. No, he was doing it as a surprise. What's so interesting is I definitely have exes where we just had ESP for years. Whoa. Not to the extent where yours are full on psychic premonitions, yeah. but just feelings that you were yeah. almost meeting in this Bardo area of of two brains. Yeah. Were they that, good things? Like, would you just be like, I know you want fries. Random. Yeah, yeah. Completely not, neutral. Like yeah. not good or bad. It was just very weird inklings. Like I had inklings when he wasn't happy and his... Pr- uh, new relationship <gasps> just very strange things. Well, so post breakup po- way po- years <gasps> and he just he kind of has a permanent little stay in my brain and i just kind of wave him occasionally i'm like hey there how you doing okay great wow. and then i go about my day you're like i, I feel that he's hungry <laughs> yeah and, and and it's not um i i think embracing the pain is a big part of it and yeah. so i just embrace that he's this little imprint in my brain probably wow. permanently and that's okay he should be we dated for three years oh yeah and uh, but it wasn't full on psychic premonition. Wow. So I, I commend you on dreaming in the perspective of his new girlfriend before you knew no, even I don't what his girlfriend looked like. I don't want it. Sometimes oh. it's weird because you're just like, get out of here. I don't want to know what you're feeling. Yeah. Where's epilepsy? And I was like, oh, he needs to be on a new dose of medication. He's about to have a fucking like seizure. That's wild. Yeah. The only time I've ever reached out to a mutual friend of ours is when I had a dream he had an epileptic attack and like crashed uh, their tour bus because he he did that once. And I was like, oh, I had a really my only rule with my dreams is if I dream someone dies or gets hurt is when I say something. When you'll say something. Yeah. And so I'm assuming hopefully no premonitions for your next relationship. What is it that you would want? I don't know. Like, anyone, or, are you, or are you not looking and you're like, I'm, I'm good how I am? Right now, like mm-hmm. dating wise, I'm dating a couple of people right now. I'm I'm testing the waters and being more casual mm-hmm. and like letting things unfold. However, because I don't know about you, but I've always felt the pressure of like, if I'm dating someone, I'm like, well, what is it? What are we? Are we committed? What are we doing? Like, yeah. I want a label on it quickly to feel safe and secure. Absolutely. But then I I'm like, find that, yeah, do you feel yeah, that? I, yeah, I do. And I also find myself um, wanting to attend to their needs mm. and that should be earned. Yes. And so it's it's a lot of self-regulation and self-worth and understanding that just as people are internal and it takes for them forever to share something, that overshares need to trickle out how much they overshare. Mm-hmm. Oversharing mm-hmm. can be just as much of a problem as being a complete introvert. Yes. And so... Uh, that would be the next. I think if I am single again in my life, I will choose to stay single, though. That will be my my Whoa. goal. Why? Yeah, I, Because I feel like there's so many other parts in, in our life that need watering yeah. for a cheesy term. And I don't have a handle on that. What would it be? What would you be like? I will attend to these things. Now. Oh, gosh. I have so many friends that have moved away since COVID mm. that know it's not my job to then be the travel agent that, or the, you know, the travel, the flight attendant who's constantly tending, you know, flying to them. But I would because yeah. I want them in my life. And if that's what it takes, just like a romantic relationship, I will. Okay. And so I think real, as we get older, I think realizing the importance of your really good friends, no matter where they are in the world and prioritizing vacation money, time to make sure that you're, you're tending to those relationships. And oh, hard to, I don't, 
I was talking about this with my, my girlfriend today, but I was like, how do men exist in the world without community? But they do. They just have a different type of emotional community. But it's so, they just sit around, like uh, my brother and his friends can sit around for four hours and not mention anything real. But that's, that's it's a so form weird. of copacetic yeah, I just I, I can't imagine being like I'm going through this hard thing, but we're going to talk about Dragon Ball Z for three hours. And I'm I think feel by different. talking about Dragon Ball Z, though, they're dissipating the real feeling behind it. They're very I good at distraction. Know. But is it, or is it just like a gendered norm that we've like conditioned men to believe that they have probably, to? You know, probably. It's like, I just feel bad for them because I'm like me and my girlfriends <laughs> can talk about the same thing it's seventeen so hours a day. So, so for your next, you're dating a couple people. You're trying to really take your time and approach yes. something differently than you had in the past. I think so. I get attached very easily. I think it's like the whole abandonment wound from my sister committing suicide. So you're just like, oh, must love this person or they die. Um, so I think I'm trying to be more of like yeah. maybe get to know someone a little bit before feeling like, you know, putting my my commitment a little bit more on the pedestal rather than the other person and being like really evaluating what's their value system. Like, can I get into a relationship with someone if I don't even know what their values are? Yeah. Um, or and like, not being scared. Well, and I don't know if this is necessarily your issue, but I know audience members will relate of sometimes we have a sort of freeze mode of what are your values? Like yeah, communicating yeah. your values to another person because you don't want to lose that person yeah. if your values don't align. Yeah. Why are we procrastinating talking about that? Yeah. But also then you don't want to feel like you're interrogating too. Because sometimes I've, I, go, I would date both men and women. Uh-huh. And sometimes I can go on a date and like, I, it doesn't matter what gender they are, but there's almost like a, well, do you want this? Do you want this? And what's your plan for this? And where do you <laughs> see yourself in five years? And you're like, I don't even know if you're funny yet, dude. Like, can we chill? Um, so it's like this interesting balance of like, yeah, yeah you do have to be upfront with the things you're looking for. But you don't want it to feel like an interrogation. And you have to know, like, do we even get on, like, as human beings before we discuss, like, do you believe in 50-50 or being a homemaker? It's just, like, it's a lot. It's a weird thing to navigate. It is a weird thing to navigate of not wasting time but getting to know someone organically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. How do you do it, Holland? I don't. What's the answer? I don't. (laughs) We We are just here to help people that are going through times when, uh, when they don't have the answers. Yeah. And so we we have had a couple experts on the show that say it's about it's about yourself. It all comes back to yourself. So I don't know if these two tie in together, but we explain a dating coach first and second. The the ways that you made yourself more emotionally available mm-hmm. was that because of the recommendations of the dating coach, or were they completely separate activities? Um my dating coach it- she was primarily I love it because she markets herself as like I'll teach you all the ways in which to like really be successful at dating and then you start working with her and she's like this is why your self-worth is shit and we're gonna make <laughs> your self-worth so good so it's a little bit of a bait and switch because nobody's like yeah let me go in and like work on my self-worth you're like no I want to gamify dating and like be really good at it <laughs> um, but a lot of her stuff was workbook based so okay. we would talk she would she would have me explain my entire dating history to her, the things I found attractive, the things I didn't, who I was currently interested in now, what was fascinating it's about like a 12 them. step program. It kind of was like, it, it was a little rooted in almost love addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was different because for her, she was always like, women who suffer from this are looking to rewrite something in their past. They're looking to find a love that they did not receive, that they feel like, 
oh, it's imprinted now in a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. And she helped me really see that like I idealize people. I fantasize about a love that isn't love and that Mm -hmm. and helped me rewire my definition of love Um, because she was like, this is really common. Like a lot of women grow up with this. We're told all the time our value is in our utility. Like as a woman, you're told, what are you useful for in society? It's a wife, a mother. It's always your relationship to another person. And she's like, of course you feel this way. And so we just have to make sure your relationship with yourself is the priority and where you're getting the majority of that validation and that love. Utility is absolutely secondary, if not tritary, yeah. to your self-worth. Absolutely. And I feel like we, we all know women like this who will like bend over backwards to help anyone, like their friends or their lovers or what have you. And it's like, most of us. Yeah, it's most of us. And we're burnt out. And, we're, and then we become resentful at the people mm-hmm. we're helping. Um, but she was fantastic. And a lot of the things she had me do was date outside of my type. Mm-hmm. So I would be attracted to a certain person. I and she would be like date That's against a great your type. Exercise, yeah. Or even like if I didn't have chemistry with someone, she'd be like, give them three dates. I want you to go on three dates. And she also was paramount about um, rotational dating. She was like, you don't have to sleep with anyone, and I would recommend you don't sleep with anyone. Uh-huh. But she was like, you need to date multiple people at once so that your emotional attachment remains more neutral, and you can compare and contrast the behaviors between each person. You're doing now, and it's honestly, it's. I didn't like it before because I was like, but that's game playing. Game play. And you feel like you're using this. someone. Yeah. And she was like, don't mm-hmm. sleep with them. And but or now wasting I, their time or wasting their time. Yeah. But I, she was like, you don't know these people. It takes a while to get to know someone. And she was like, you shouldn't even think about commitment until you've been seeing someone like six for six months. And I was like, that's mm. insane. There's that's too such much a long time. Shame and shame around wasting people's time, which yeah. again is putting that other person first before yourself. I unfortunately dating should be an incredibly selfish endeavor. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. And I, I rightfully so. And before I would get like the ick or I would have a bad feeling, but I would still like continue anyway. And she was like, no, listen that like it's never going to work out like um so she really taught me how to rely on my intuition as well as like now that I'm dating multiple people like it is really interesting like I've been dating each one maybe like three three to four months and the different behaviors and like how I'm building rapport with each person like it makes me realize like oh I thought this behavior wouldn't work in a relationship but actually it pairs really well with like my Mm. lifestyle or this thing that I was really initially attracted to is going to be a major problem if we were in a long-term relationship and so it is I think it was just super helpful for me to not go all in on one person and also then like pin my hopes and dreams onto this unsuspecting human Mm -hmm. and now when I date people and I, I, I see that same behavior I used to exhibit. It's such a turnoff where I'm like, oh, I see it so clearly now. I'm so self-aware of like, it doesn't matter who I am. You just have this idea of love in your head and you've just like slotted me into it. Right. That's so interesting. And then what are the ways that you emotionally made yourself more available? I think cultivating a relationship with myself. Journaling was really helpful. Um, I did a lot of like mirror work and rewriting the belief that I'm worthy of love because there is some part of me that feels like I have to earn love. I have to earn approval. It's very much like my dad being like, if you get an A, you get a hug. If you get anything less than an A, I don't talk to you. And so there was this idea, if someone just liked me off the bat, I was like, there's something wrong with that person. (laughs) Don't like them. But if someone, I had to win over someone, then I was like, oh, this feels good. Like it's familiar. It it should take work. Yeah, it should take work. (laughs) And which it shouldn't. It shouldn't. And so working with her, like I think a really big win for me was when I was dating someone for six months who I had a lot of intense chemistry and attraction to, and they started lying 
about seeing other people. And normally I would have been like, it's fine. I'll win them over. I'll be the victor in the end. I love competition. And instead I was like, this doesn't work for me and I'm going to end it. And my therapist at the time was like, this is a really big step for you. She was like, this could have been a two year thing you were in and you ended it immediately. Um, So I think it's like also measuring, measuring wins like that in small, tangible steps. And it's hard. not that that person was dating other people, but it was the fact that the the lying. It was the lying. I was like, you can, you can see whoever you want. Just don't lie to me about it. Cause yeah. 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 So this is our lightning round. There are going to be one word or one (gasps) sentence answers if possible. Okay. (laughs) Question one. When was your first breakup? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Do you remember your first crush? Yes. He was animated. Animated. <laughs> and our first animated crush. Inuyasha. <laughs> what is your model relationship? Ooh, Zendaya. Okay. And Tom Holland. And Tom Holland. Yeah. What is your go-to breakup movie? Mean Girls. Mean Girls. What is your breakup song? Oh, any Taylor Swift. Okay. Swifty. Yeah. Swifty. What is your go-to breakup food? Baked potato. Baked potato. <laughs> dressed? Undressed? Oh, completely dressed. Completely all, dressed. all the dressings but vegan now. Uh, first thing you do after a breakup? Cry. Cry. What is your number one red flag in a relationship or potential relationship? Being mean to wait staff. What is your number one green flag in a relationship or potential relationship? Consistency. And what is your... We call it the beige flag, but it's really what is a fun quirk about you that your partners have really loved about you? Uh, I make I make and give lots of gifts. Thank you so much for just your honest candor and the fact that coffee beans, hopefully you oh can enter God. them at this point. Oh I think God. the words of wisdom are so funny to me. But yes, yes, do you have an elevator pitch or words of wisdom of anyone going through an uncoupling right now? Yes, I think I, I said it earlier, but really the quote has stuck with me that our relationships are rarely healthier than our self-esteem. I really like this guy, John. Uh, James Clear. He James wrote Clear. Atomic Habits. I don't think the quote is attributed oh. to him, but it was from his newsletter where he okay. sends a bunch of really great nuggets. I really like that. Yeah, I read it and I was like, I feel personally attacked. Um, Your relationships are rarely as healthy as your self-worth. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, that's... That's, that's excellent a, words. Of that's wisdom. a yes from me, bestie. So, yeah. Thank you so much yeah. for so much candor. And I think a lot of people, especially ones that have been mostly the breakup versus mm. being the one broken up with. And uh, the fact that you went through what you went through with your particular one where, where the yeah. other person had ended it is going to yeah. help a lot of people. Yeah. Tune in next week for another episode of Uncoupling. And don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts and sign up for our exclusive Patreon. We'll see you next week. Uncoupling podcast is produced by Stampede Ventures, Jason R. Ellis, and Holland Roden. 